0: Chapter 1 this morning, Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 1. This month of December, we're going to be talking about miracles associated with the Christmas story. And uh, you probably think, well, how can we find miracles in Matthew, Chapter 1? Matthew, Chapter 1 is a genealogy. When you are... Reading the Christmas story, if you read from Matthew, you're going to probably skip over chapter one because it's just a bunch of begats. This one begat that one and then begat that one and it's all of, uh, it's a, a genealogy. But we're going to read a few verses here in Matthew chapter one. If you'll look here with me uh, today, Matthew one and we'll read beginning the first number one down through uh, verse 6, and then we'll skip down and read a few other verses also uh, in, in chapter 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham beget Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas beget Pharis and Zara of Tamar. And Pharisee begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz, o- Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David, the king. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Now, skipping down to verse number 12. After and after they were brought to Babylon, Jochanias begets Selathiel, and Selathiel begets Zorobabel, and Zorobabel beget Abiyid. I'm having a tough time with all these names. Abiab begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor, and Azor begat Zadok, and Zadok begat Achim, and Achim begat Iliad, and Iliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Mathan, and Mathan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ, So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. You only find that in the genealogy of Matthew. If you remember, Matthew was a tax collector. He crunched numbers and so it was important to him to get it all down precise even to each generation the 14 uh, generations now from the last book of the bible in malachi all the way to matthew chapter 1 there's there's a 400 year period most have called it a 400 years of silence no prophetic voice For 400 years. Can you imagine 400 years without hearing from God, without hearing the voice of the Lord? 400 years is a long time. That's longer than the history of our country. 400 years of silence. It's as if the Lord is saying, you know, before there's a a big announcement, if you're in a crowd of people and there's going to be a big announcement made, like a, uh, a baby reveal or whatever, some kind of a big announcement, then everybody will, before the announcement is made, they'll, they'll shush everybody. Be quiet, everyone. We're getting ready to make a big announcement. Well, the quiet, the 400 years, was God's way of saying, be quiet because I'm getting ready to make a big announcement, the greatest announcement that has ever been made, and that is Jesus the Messiah is here. Praise God. Amen. Now, Matthew was a tax collector, he was a Jew. The tax collectors were um, usually hired by the Roman government that was in control at that time, hired by the Romans. And so they were hated by the Jews. They were despised. You'll see the phrase repeated over and over in the New Testament, the phrase publicans and sinners, because they thought of publicans or tax collectors as the most wicked, vile, possible uh, occupation that you could be involved in, because they would not only exact the tax that the Romans required, but then they would take as much more that they wanted. So usually the tax collectors were very wealthy because they had stolen from the Jewish population. That's probably what was going on in the life of Matthew. And it's interesting that Matthew was called, and when he was called to follow Jesus, Jesus saw him sitting at the receipt of the custom, or he's in his booth, collecting taxes, and Jesus just says to him, follow me, and the Bible says he left it all. His wealth, uh, his position, all of those things, he left it all and followed Jesus. Amen. You talk about a conversion. I love it when I see people follow the Lord and they leave it all behind. They turn from their sin, they turn from their past, they turn from everything, and they go wholeheartedly after the Lord. Amen. That's the kind of conversion that only Jesus can bring, and that's what happened uh, to, to Matthew. And so from that time on, Matthew, who is a Jew, is now convincing the Jewish people, all of his writing, the whole gospel of Matthew... Is, is a message given, a gospel message given to the Jewish population to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is truly the, the Messiah. As a matter of fact, he quotes from over 100 Old Testament verses in the Gospel of Matthew, trying to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah. There are over 300 prophecies that spoke to the, to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. Praise God. And so it is an amazing story. But why a gene- genealogy? Why did Matthew have a genealogy? Why did Luke have genealogies? The genealogies had a, a lot of purpose. For one thing, it traced the lineage of Israel and the history of Israel... It also, it gives an outline of God's dealing with men, God's dealing with mankind. And then, uh, uh, and, and in this case, in Matthew's genealogy, it, it reveals the kind of people that God used. And it's a wonderful picture of the grace of God. That's why we're calling this today, the miracles of God's grace. Because God included a lot of people in this genealogy of Jesus uh, leading up that that uh, was the genealogy that led up to the birth of jesus and and God used all kinds of different people. You would think that um, that He would have listed only the ones that had the best of character and the the best of reputations, that would be the people that would be listed in the genealogy. But no, Matthew is wanting everyone, all of the Jewish nation, who is proud and arrogant and kind of pharisaical in their attitude. He was letting them know, God can use anyone. God can save anybody. And he can use anyone, even the worst of sinners are not so bad that the grace of God could not reach them. And I want you to be encouraged uh, today because there are people from time to time that come to church and, and uh, they, they don't feel like they're worthy. They feel undeserving uh, of God's love and God's forgiveness. And, but I want you to know that everybody in this building here today, you don't deserve the grace of God. I don't deserve it. I don't, you don't deserve the goodness of God and the grace of God. But yet he has extended his grace to whosoever will. So it really doesn't matter how wicked, how vile, how awful your past has been. Jesus came into this world and Matthew, who was a publican and a sinner and a thief and a liar and a deceiver. And he knew what he was before Jesus called him to follow him. And now he's wanting to convince all of the Jewish nation that God can save anyone. He can use anybody and can bring them into the kingdom of God. Praise God. That song that says, the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins Oh, praise God. Amen. So no matter how vile or wicked or awful your past has been, this genealogy is a reminder to us that the grace of God is a miracle, that God would forgive you and your sin, that he would love you and forgive you and include you in his wonderful plan. Praise God. Luke's genealogy traces Um, Mary's lineage back to David. But Matthew's genealogy traces Joseph's lineage back to David. You say, why? Why would he do that? Well, because Jesus was both born, but he was also, according to Isaiah, uh, he he was a son born and he was a son That was given, Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. So the birth part was the natural birth as Mary gave birth to Jesus and uh, by the Holy Ghost, she gave birth to the son of God. But then Joseph was legally uh, he wasn't his natural father, but he was his legal father. He was his adopted father, and so he was unto us a a uh, a child that was born, and, and unto us a son that is given. That word is a is a a word indicating uh, a legal term, uh, an adoptive term. Uh, that and so both Mary and Joseph's lineage. Go all the way back to David, convincing a Jewish nation that truly this is the Son of God. Truly this is Jesus, the Son of the living God. So it's very interesting, Matthew's genealogy, it includes women. No other genealogies included women at all. It would go through the lineage and it would mention only the men, but Matthew's genealogy mentions women. This is this wasn't common. It wasn't normal, but it was uh, divinely inspired. As Matthew wrote this genealogy, as a reminder that God can use people, and He used. And there are four women that are listed in this genealogy that. Um, they're not pure and they're not holy and they're not perfect and they're certainly not righteous, but they were outcast. They were outcast that God inspired Matthew to include in this genealogy. The first is in verse number three, where it says, And Judas beget Pharisee and Zarah of Tamar. Tamar. Uh, You can read about her in Genesis chapter 38. And uh, uh, her husband uh, committed something vile and wicked and God struck him dead. That's in Genesis 38. And and then uh, uh, his brother then becomes her husband. That was the custom that the brother would take the widow to be his wife. And that's what happens. And so because he refused to have children with, with uh, Tamar, uh, then she was childless. And, uh, and so she so desired to have a child that she dressed as a harlot and put a veil over her face and seduced her father-in-law, Judah, and had twin sons born of this uh, incestuous type relationship And one of those sons was Perez, who carried on the Messianic line. Wow! How could it be? But it's true that God used the most vile and the most wicked and the most horrible thing. There's just a lot of people that you run into from time to time that feel like that they're unworthy, that they could never be forgiven And they could never truly be a child of God or that God doesn't love them or care about them. But Matthew has given these examples to remind all of us um, that he can change the vilest sinner. He can save the vilest sinner. He can change the life and turn their life around and use them. And so even Tamar in her wickedness... um, Uh, that God was able to use her in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second woman is the woman Rahab. That's a little bit more familiar name uh, to us. That's in verse 5. Rahab, you know, was a Canaanite. She also, uh, her name meant pride. The name Rahab meant pride. She was a Gentile. She too was a prostitute. It's incredible, isn't it? But in Joshua chapter 2, when the spies went in to spy out the land, she hid them in her home. And she agreed to uh, protect them from those that were coming to try to, to find the spies. She agreed to protect them and uh, made a deal with them, made an arrangement with them uh, to hang a scarlet cord out of the window of her house so that when they were coming and destroying the city of Jericho, that they would preserve her home and her house and her family alive. Well, Rahab turned to God. She was a Canaanite. She was a a pagan. But she turned to God and became a part of this wonderful messianic line. She was the great, great grandmother of David. Wow. Amen. Once again, an amazing evidence of the fact that God can save and use anybody, anyone, no matter how awful or wicked and vile that you have been. The third woman that's mentioned in uh, this genealogy uh, is is Ruth. You remember Ruth. She was the Moabite woman uh, that... Um, Uh, Actually, the whole nation of the Moabites started from uh, an incestuous type relationship. This is, I know this is a lot of wild and wicked stuff going on, but it's all in this amazing lineage of Jesus Christ. And Matthew's including it because he wants everybody, whosoever will, to understand that there's no one so wicked and vile but what the grace of God. Can't reach them. Amen. That is the miracle of the grace of God, isn't it? Amen. Amen. That God cares and he loves and he is willing to save to the uttermost. No matter how wicked and vile that you might be, you can be saved by the grace of God. And so Ruth uh, uh, returns to Bethlehem after her, uh, her husband has died. And uh, Naomi and, uh, or, uh, Naomi and uh, Ruth and they all make their journey. Remember that Oprah decides to not go back. She turns back, uh, but instead Ruth cleaves to her mother-in-law and goes. goes and she said, your house is going to be my house. Your family is going to be my family. Your God is going to be my God. And she, she became a follower of... Uh, of the of the God of Israel, the true and the living God, and God turned things for her. And the book of Ruth is a wonderful story of what God did uh, to not only save her alive, uh, but to, to put her in a position so she would be uh, in the uh, in the eye of Boaz and becomes Boaz's wife. And it's incredible because Boaz. And Ruth have a child by the name of Obed. Obed then grows up and has a child by the name of Jesse, who grows up and has a child. And his name is David. Praise God. Glory to God. And so these are all examples of uh, of these uh, wicked and vile and uh, uh, People so far removed from God. Another one that's not mentioned but is referred to here in verse 6. It says, uh, uh, And Simon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Another person, another person. Uh, that, uh, that uh, her name isn't mentioned, but, her, but that's describing Bathsheba, who is an adulteress. So two harlots, and a Moabitess, and, and uh, an adulteress are all included in the lineage of Jesus. Why? Why did Matthew do that, inspired of the Holy Ghost? He did that so that we would all understand and all the Jewish nation would understand that Jesus was coming into the world to save the vilest sinner, the most far removed, the most undeserving person could be saved. So two harlots, a Moabitess, an adulteress, all of them outcast, every one of them. So Matthew is speaking to a Jewish nation that no doubt is full of self righteousness and cannot see that they have any need, but Jesus was coming into the world to save the worst of sinners, just like you and me, the vilest of sinners, just like you and me. And uh, so this, was, this, this wasn't glorifying their sin, this was putting grace on display. This wasn't magnifying the awfulness and the wickedness of their sin. But this was showing what the grace of God can do to bring hope and salvation to the worst of sinners. Praise God. Amen. Whosoever will can be saved. Amen. Luke 7 and 34, the Son of Man is come eating and drinking. And you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Jesus was called into question. Because he sat down at meat with those that were wicked and evil. Not, not to, uh, uh, to be a part of them. Uh, but he sat down with them to convince them of the fact that he had come into the world. To save the worst of sinner. The most vile of sinner. Matthew 9 and 13. But go ye and learn what that meaneth I will have mercy and not sacrifice for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance amen praise God so he came he lived among sinful men and he was tempted just like you and I yet he did not sin and he took upon himself the punishment for all of our sins on the cross And has provided the grace of God, the grace of God, which is a miraculous forgiveness and hope that you can be saved. Whosoever will can be saved. Amen. So this year, if you read the Christmas story, if you decide to read from the gospel of Matthew, don't overlook all the genealogies. Because there's a wonderful lesson of God's grace here in these genealogies where God reveals just how much that he loves the worst of sinners. Praise God. And I'm so glad that he does. If he didn't, then I I would have no hope and you would have no hope. But today we have hope because of the wonderful grace of God. That's what the Christmas story is all about. That Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Matthew 1 and 21. She shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message that needs to be proclaimed and declared during this season of the year. Don't lose Jesus in the middle of all of your celebration. Make sure that he stays right at the center, right at the focus and the wonderful grace of God that's revealed during this season of the year praise praise the Lord hebrews seven and twenty five wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. praise God, hallelujah, praise the Lord for some of you here in this service today that are feeling like well I, The Lord could never save me. He could never forgive me. I've done too many awful, wicked things. Matthew chapter one is a wonderful lesson for you to be reminded of the fact that He can save the vilest sinner and He can include them in His wonderful plan. Praise God. Isn't that a wonderful thing that God can include you in His plan? No matter how wicked, no matter how awful your life has been, His grace is sufficient to forgive you and to save you and to deliver you. And not only that, but to use you in his wonderful plan. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. What a wonderful plan that it is. Amen. That's the miracle of the grace of God that is revealed to us during this wonderful season. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that's been revealed to every man and every woman in this building today. Lord, you know the hearts of each one. There are some here today, Lord, that that they are not born again. They're not saved. And and if it's because they feel unworthy, I just pray, Lord, that the grace of God would be, be manifested in their hearts today that they'd recognize that you died for them, that you suffered for them, and you have made a way for them to be born again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you for that. We thank you for your grace. Praise the name of the Lord. Touch the lives in this service today that there would not be one person that would walk away without experiencing your wonderful love and grace. Hallelujah.